start spreading the news I'm leaving today I want to be a part of it New York, New York These vagabond shoes And just like that your 2022 New York Yankees are finished. They fall to Houston once again, making it three times in five years, this time in grand fashion, just being absolutely throttled for four games, and they come away with uh, without a single win. And uh, who's to blame? You, you want to you wanna blame Cashman, Boone, the players, everyone? Sam Allen is here to take you through it for a solo Sam version of a Panis. And uh, by the way, I want to give Sam a little shout out today because today does happen to be his birthday. Um, a tremendous gift that he got from the Yankees. Um, my, my gift to him is just going to be a show to himself where I don't revel in his misery, uh, you know, for an hour straight. Uh, so it's going to be the Phillies who somehow find themselves in the World Series after just getting hot and just barreling their way there uh, versus the Houston Astros, who were there yet again. So is it a crapshoot? Uh, the Phillies are there, so maybe, and that's certainly what the Yankees would like for you to believe, but uh, Houston is there once again, so I don't know. You know, I, I saw a tweet yesterday that said, um, since the MLB postseason has begun... The Giants have three wins, the Jets have three wins, and the Yankees have three wins. And speaking of those pesky football teams, it seems like we open every Monday saying the same thing nowadays. What a football Sunday it was for our Jets and for our Giants. The Giants improved to 6-1 and one with a 23-17 win over Jacksonville. Saquon Barkley, obviously tremendous again. Daniel Jones runs for over 100 yards. And I gotta tell you, it was really fun to watch them establish the run in the second half there where Jones and Barkley were sort of able to run some zone read and they just kept moving the chains. So good for the Giants. Another huge win for them. I mean, 6-1. And, and uh, as for the Jets, it was ugly. But they outlast the Denver Broncos 16-9. to and uh, you start to wonder when they're really going to allow Wilson to open it up here moving forward. But the big story that comes out of this game is Jets rookie phenom running back Brees Hall suffers an ACL tear and he will miss the rest of the season. And the all-important Jets offensive lineman Elijah Vera Tucker is also going to be shut down the rest of the way here with a torn triceps. But I just wanted to lay the groundwork here for my friend, my arch nemesis, my esteemed co-host, the birthday boy, Samuel J. Allen. Enjoy, everyone. Podcast about New York sports. 
Sam Solo today. Special birthday podcast for myself. Um, not too many people wishing themselves happy birthday on their own podcast, but here we are. So what started off as a wonderful Sunday leading into my birthday ultimately became a bittersweet Sunday in the Jets and Giants both winning. Uh, very impressive wins at both ends. I'll get into that a little bit. But the main story and the reason it's bittersweet and the first birthday present I got all day was the Yankees season coming to an end, blowing up in their faces, um, you know, put any cliche that you want to this season, started off unbelievable, first team to 70 wins, and then for lack of a better term, they shit the bed. Just being honest, the injuries piled up, both in the bullpen, on the field, they go out and get Benintendi, a guy for contact, lefty that could play the outfield, He's hurt, gets hit with the pitch, doesn't return for the rest of the postseason. DJ LeMayhew, a lot of people would say he might have been hurt all year or he's just been hurt for a long time now, but uh, I believe it was a toe injury that DJ had that he never came back from. Well, he came back, they deemed him as not 100%, and then he wasn't on the postseason roster for either series. Look, we can get into the weeds of this at another date. Let's talk about this game. Um... Yankees lose 6-5 after putting up two runs in the first inning and coming out to a 3-0 lead. A team that the Yankees failed to score more than two runs at all this series. And now they find themselves having three runs and they eventually lose the game. Nestor Cortez gets hurt. Apparently he had a groin issue going into the game. That's a conversation we can talk about. Um... Aaron Judge, 0 for 4 with a walk, including the last out of the game, seemed to be all but a storybook ending for the Yankees there. Um, just really, really frustrating, this team. And, you know, I've been talking in my group chats all morning, but different people have different opinions. What went wrong here? Uh, this person should be fired. That person should be hired. Bring back Judge. We shouldn't even bring back Judge. You know, people have their different opinions. I have a podcast. I can let my opinions out, and uh, verbatim almost, I, I can say exactly what I said. This team was built on the foundation of championships, not championship. When you say things like that, it doesn't necessarily, it's not the worst thing to say. It's kind of like a rallying cry for good organizations that say, hey, look, my front office has my back, and they want to win multiple championships, not just selling their soul for one, which the Yankees will never do. So all these people saying, you know, why don't they spend all this money? Why are they not spending $400 million? Because if you're if you're spending $250 million on your payroll every year and you're constantly the number one, number two, even if you're the number three, even if you're number five, that should be enough to win a World Series. And the fact that it's not, that just screams that there's other problems that are going on. And when you think about the statement, championships, not championship, right? It's pretty much another way of saying we don't want to mortgage anything, whether that's money or uh, players that can be potential trade assets or even just can help us in the long run. We don't want to mortgage any of that with the hope that we can win one championship. And we know how the Yankees feel about the playoffs. They think the playoffs are a big crapshoot. You build your team for the regular season, you get to the playoffs, and then it's just a crapshoot. And if the Phillies win this year, the Yankees will go back and say, well, the Phillies didn't have the best team. They won, so that proves that it's a crapshoot. 
just telling you what they say, just being the messenger. Don't make it sound like it's my opinion, right? I'm just telling you what they would say. But when you think this way and you think, I don't want to have to mortgage my future in order to win one championship, you're just automatically putting yourself at a disadvantage because naturally you're always going to be there's so many teams that are going to want one win, right? There's so many franchises that don't have 27 rings and, and have never even seen a dynasty that would sell their soul, for lack of a better term, to win one championship. And I'm not saying that the Phillies or the Astros or, you know, the Dodgers, anyone has done that. But when you when your goal is, it's hard to, to have the goal of long-term success while also being the most competitive in the current state, right? So the Yankees have been in this uh, little limbo area where they've been obviously very competitive. They made it to the ALCS like three times in the last five years or so, right? Any other team, you sign up for that, but not the Yankees. And when you say you want championships and not championship, and you you can't even win one, and the team that you faced in the World Series last time gets back to the World Series before you, in the Phillies, that has to be just an absolute black mark on either it's the front office, the head coach, uh, whether it's, I'd even say some of the players. Aaron Judge turned into a pumpkin. I know it's October. He turned into a pumpkin in the postseason. And it's a thing that I think the Yankees will hold. Not that they were ever rooting for this to happen, right? They obviously want Judge to be their guy. They made him an offer that many sides and many analysts said was fair at the time. He turned it down. We all know he bet on himself, came out as the most successful gamble in possibly sports history. But what I will say is I think that the Yankees will see this postseason performance as well as previous postseason performances and say to him, look, Aaron, we loved what you did in the regular season, but if you're not going to do it in the postseason, how can we expect to commit to you this many years, this much money, when, quite frankly, while you've been the head of this team, we've done nothing. Literally nothing. I mean, would the Yankees sign up for another Don Mattingly? I'm sure. Don Mattingly is a, is a, one of the best Yankees ever. But what did Don Mattingly never do? Win. And I think as a Yankee, that holds a lot of weight. And is Judge approaching that territory? He might be. Could Judge break out of it and win the next three World Series, whether it's with the Yankees or another team? Very well could Very well could happen as well. But for right now, I think as far as the negotiating terms and how the conversation is going to begin like we always think about arbitration as you know a player is going to present his case why he's worth x amount of dollars and then the team is going to come back and say no we think you're worth this amount of money and it's a tough conversation and it's something you don't want to do especially when you want that guy to be your future star and who's going to lead you for the next you know decade it's tough it's really tough to tough thing to walk around um but now getting back to I guess this playoffs and just the Yankees overall when you get into this like I call it the 90 10 right which is 90 percent bought in for this season and then there's always that 10 percent that's going to hold on to the post to post this season not the postseason but like the the coming seasons right and the Yankees not playing Oswaldo Cabrera earlier on and not playing Oswaldo Peraza or Oswald Peraza and not calling up guys like, not that Volpe should be up, but not even giving him the reign at the end of the year after they were already clinched in the playoffs, giving their young guys a chance to shine. And then we go into the ALCS, 
and the ALCS MVP is a rookie that the Astros, who have this pretty much a lot of the same core that they had five years ago and are constantly just running the table in the American League, haven't lost a playoff game yet, they're running out their best prospect shortstop to play every single day in the regular season. And he, he didn't put up amazing numbers in the regular season. He had a good season for a rookie, a really good season. And if it wasn't for Julio Rodriguez, he might win the MB, the rookie of the year. But why can't the Yankees do that? Why couldn't that be Peraza? Why couldn't that be Cabrera? Why couldn't the Yankees be on the side of, wow, this team's really good already, and now they're adding this young kid who's going to be good for the next 10 years and we're going to have to deal with for the next 10 years? Like, to me, the most demoralizing thing of this whole postseason, win, loss, tie, judge striking out 10 times, Stan hitting 17 home runs, and 50% of his postseason hits have been home runs, something crazy like that. The worst thing that happened was the Yankees ran into another, or they're going to run into another Altuve. And that's the fear. I see signs of Correa, signs of Altuve. This Jeremy Pena kid is going to be a thorn in the side of the Yankees just for, I mean, not only he was a thorn in the side for this series, but he will be a thorn in the side for the next X amount of years he's on the team or even in the league, right? So it just, it's just like, it's almost like you came so close to slaying the dragon and right when you about to slay the dragon, another dragon came out of nowhere and was even better than the previous one. Not saying that Pena is obviously going to go on to have a better career than guys like Correa and Altuve, but hey, look, based on this series, I wouldn't be stunned to see him win the World Series MVP and the Astros just go, win going away. And now they're going into next season with uh, Altuve, who is a known, obviously didn't have a good postseason whatsoever, but you never want to see Altuve up at bat. Pena is arguably the youngest, the best young shortstop in the league. Uh, Jordan Alvarez is the, probably the scariest hitter in the league. And then, oh, yeah, they got a guy named Bregman. Their pitching staff is unbelievable. Kyle Tucker's a, a monster and would hit 70 home runs in Yankee Stadium. And then they just they just seem to throw in guys. They It's almost like they were toying with the Yankees. They throw in Christian Vasquez, who is a former Red Sox that is just one of those guys that like seems to always – kill the Yankees and what does he do kills the Yankees and it's just like it's kind of sickening I mean it, it really is like if you're a Yankee fan there's no way to spin this where you, there's a silver lining there's just no silver lining here I guess the only possible way to see a silver lining is if the Yankees actually have some major overhaul this offseason and look I'm going to be the first one to say it or maybe not the first one but maybe the first time you'll realize it but Aaron Boone will be back Brian Cashman will be back they're, these guys are all puppets, right? They're all just listening to the numbers. They're presented numbers by the analytic crew, whoever that may be, these faceless people in the back rooms of in the bowels of Yankee Stadium handing Aaron Boone the lineup card before every game. And they're, they're telling them, you're going to run this lineup out. If you lose, it's going to be your fault. And if you win, you got to tell us that you had – you got to tell the media that you had good analytics and that listening to the analytics led us to a win. So it's like – even if you fire Boone, and even if you fire Cashman, and even if you fire, you know, random coach A, random coach B, people want Don Mattingly to be the Yankees coach. For what? For what? For what? Don Mattingly coaching what? The bullpen? Like, the only real argument I could see is if you really don't like Aaron Boone's management of the bullpen and you think that was a detriment, 
which it very much was. I will say, of all of the postseasons I've watched the Yankees in the Aaron Boone era, I thought that this was the most questionable. The, he had the most amount of questionable decisions in this postseason. Whether and again, but here's the thing: was it was it Boone or was it these these faceless people giving Boone, telling Boone every shot to make in the postseason? from the bowels of Yankee Stadium that we don't know their names, their faces, their backgrounds, or anything. You just don't know. It's an inarguable thing. So if I had to guess, I think Cashman and Boone are back. Um, we can get into – I'll do long-form offseason, but sign Judge, that's one. Number two, I think if you sign Judge and you give him close to, what, $50 million a year, then you got, you're got you going to save money by letting the kids play, right? Letting I want Peraza, Cabrera – even maybe even Volpe in the opening day roster next year, even the opening day lineup, right? You're going to save your money there because ultimately Rizzo has a player option. He's going to be directly tied to Judge. If Judge walks, I think Rizzo goes too, right? And that's if you want to talk about prospective money, Rizzo's I think 16 million next year, and then Judge will probably make anywhere from like 40 to 50 million, probably like 45 million, let's say. That's already what 61 million. Chapman's coming off the books. Hopefully he can trade Donaldson. Hopefully he can trade Hicks. I don't think Britain's on the books next year. That's If Judge doesn't come back, you have about like over $100 million to play with. And I think they can very much succeed with that. Not saying that the Yankees are going to go into any full rebuild, but I don't know. They're just – it's frustrating. It really is. And I think it's time for – we say this every year, right? It's time for change. And change hasn't come. Really, it hasn't. It's just been a lot of – retooling and rejiggering an already broken core. And that broken core can't beat the Astros. It can't. And the last thing I'll say about the offseason is if you if the Yankees see fit that they need to fire Boone, they're going to do it because of the optic, not necessarily any sort of job or performance-based firing. It's going to be fully optic and just like uh, a rebirth of not an organization, but a rebirth of a team. And, you know, I think if they don't bring back judge, maybe judge is the first domino to fall. Maybe judge turns around and says, Hey, look, I don't want to play for a team like this. That's just going to get bounced by the Astros. Every time I'm going to go out West because I think the giants can give me a better chance to win in the postseason. Or I think the Mets can go out and give me a better chance to win in the postseason. Or he could just say, I'm going to go to the giants because they're going to give me more money than you are. And now the Yankees are really hamstrung. So, I think the first domino to fall needs to be Judge. After that, you it's all a you know a snowball. After that, it's if Judge leaves, I think Rizzo leaves, and then if they both leave, then I think maybe the Yankees go in a different direction with Boone, and maybe they start fresh. And now you need a whole new infield, and then maybe you can even talk about trading guys that you never thought might be traded before. Guys like a DJ LeMahieu, guys like a Stanton, even where you could see. There's a world out there where the Yankees do go into like a full kid rebuild mode. Um, and not that they can't be competitive or not that I think that will happen. But look, if Judge walks, you might have a whole new team next year. A whole new team. And it's scary to think about because it's really it's really uh, waters that we have not been in yet as Yankee fans for at least for a long time. So at least since Judge has been here. Because when Judge came up, it was play the kids, the baby bombers. And they were good, and the perspective of them winning championships, not championship, has now blown up in their face. And I think it's closer to the end than it is the beginning.
All right, look, I'm done talking about the Yankees. Let's talk about some positives in New York sports. Let's start with the 1 o'clock game. Giants at Jaguars. Matt and I told you last week we had no idea why the Giants were dogs in this game. Trevor Lawrence is, I mean, he's he had a good game yesterday. Nothing crazy. Like, Travis Etienne had, had really carried that offense. 114 yards, 14 carries, and a touchdown. Uh, he... He was the whole offense, really. Christian Kirk had a decent game, seven catches, 96 yards, but it was really just very a lot of fluff there. I mean, the Jaguars are in the game, sure, but Trevor Lawrence finishes 22 of 43 for 310 yards, uh, 74.8 QBR. The Jaguars are not good. They had like two good weeks, and everyone got high on them. They're not good. I've trying to t- I've been trying to tell everyone for a long time. Period. Stop. The Giants, on the other hand are clicking on all cylinders, right? Wandale Robinson looks like the guy, uh, six catches for 50 yards, and every time he, he gets the ball, the ball's thrown his way. It's He he gives me a lot of, like, an Elijah Moore, Braxton Berrios, Debo Samuel, a lot of that I see in his game, where guys that you just got to get the ball in their hands, re- regardless of the blocking or regardless of the scheme that the defense is running. You need to get the ball in their hands, just like you, you guys get the ball in Barkley's hands, who, first half, the Giants looked a little slow. In the second half, they definitely went into the locker room and said, hey, you see this guy, number 26? Yeah, like, we need to get him the ball, because if he doesn't get the ball, we're going to lose this game. And they got him the ball. They won the game. They had 200-yard rushing, 200-yard rushers in Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley. Daniel Jones played a great game, 9 of 30, 202 yards and a touchdown, while rushing for another touchdown as well of 107 yards. Daniel Jones is looking good and doing good things in the biggest points of games. They fourth quarter, Daniel Jones marches down the field, they score, and they ultimately end up winning the game. Giants scored 10 unanswered points in the fourth quarter. That's winning football. Outscore your opponent in the fourth quarter, and you'll win a lot of games. A lot of games. And they're just... The Giants are just clicking on all cylinders. Uh, I think Dable's their guy. They're six and one. Is that crazy? They're six and one, and next week they are dogs in Seattle against a four and three Seattle team that we'll get into it on our around the league this week. But a four and three Seattle team that is no joke. So that's gonna be a, that's a test for the Giants. Whereas in the beginning of the year we looked at that game and said that could be that should be a win there. That's a tough win even for a six and one Giant team. And so now on the other side of New York, or I guess the other side of the stadium, or I guess the other colors in the stadium, the Jets go to Denver and take down the the Russell Wilson-less Denver Broncos, who looked still miserable. Uh, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say that they they looked a lot better. They put up nine points, but no Russell Wilson, and they lose 16 to nine. There's just nothing of note here on the Broncos' side. Uh, right being 225 yards and in interception, 56.9 uh, quarterback rating. I'm sorry, 32.7 QBR, uh, 56.9 passer rating. Melvin Gordon led the team with 33 rushes. Uh, Jerry Judy had a good game, 96 yards and seven receptions. Uh, and that's about it. Everyone else is nothing of note. I thought the Jets' defense played phenomenal yesterday, albeit against a very young and inexperienced quarterback, but I thought the the defense played 
really well uh, for especially going to Denver. It's always a weird place to play with like the altitude and uh, all that going on there. And just like I thought the team, the the crowd is pretty up for a non Russell Wilson start after a miserable start to the year. So they fall to two and five, which they're they're done uh, in my opinion. I, I, I'm writing them off already. The Jets on the flip side go to get to five and two, put up sixteen points. There's, I think there's a couple big stories in this game. Number one, Brees Hall is it's just so unfortunate. Confirmed torn ACL this morning. Uh, he was, had four rushes for 72 yards, including a 62-yard touchdown that ultimately ended up being the deciding factor in the game as the Jets only put up 16 points. Uh, out for the year, probably won't be back for... Uh, if he's back for the start of next year, that's going to be huge for the Jets, but... Now they're going to have to rely on guys like Michael Carter, and they're going to have to look at the trade market and see, you know, who's available. I saw even reports of a guy like Kareem Hunt, just as a veteran little rental that, you know, you could give the ball to, you know, 15, 20 times a game, and he'll pick up, you know, six or seven first downs every game. You can give it to him on third and two, and then uh, go to Michael Carter in passing situations and just have a good, you know, viable one-two. Also a veteran another veteran in that locker room definitely wouldn't be the worst thing. I think that's the route they're going to go uh, to fill him. I don't think Michael Carter is going to be like a feature back, but I think he'll be more so that same role, as, and they'll look for someone to be that first and second down back uh, in the trade market, or I don't know, sometimes they pull out random free agents out of nowhere. But other than that, uh, Zach Wilson, you know, he did enough to win the game, 16 of 26, 121 yards, Uh QBR of 48.7. He didn't have that great of a game. Let's be honest. I don't want to make it sound like he he won them the game or anything, but they're just going to ask him to be a game manager. I mean, Garrett Wilson had four four receptions. Conklin had four receptions. Uh, Michael Carter was the leading receiver with two catches for 45 yards. They're spreading the ball around. They're a run first, rely on the defense, control the time possession, and don't turn the ball over a team. One thing I'll say, the Jets didn't turn the ball over. And they won the game. And I, what have I been saying all year? If you've listened to any of these podcasts and the, uh, we go around, Matt and I go around the league about the NFL, what do we say? Yeah, if there, if this team, this game is close line wise or money line wise, but I think if if blank team can not turn the ball over, they can win this game. And I think that holds true for a lot of the NFL. It really does. And uh, for the Jets, look, I think their defense is good. Um, they're going to host the Patriots on Sunday, and the Patriots are a favorite. That's something. The Patriots, as of right now, and this is before um, before the Monday night game, which is Bears-Patriots, real barn burner, the Patriots are giving two and a half on the road to the Jets, which is an interesting, interesting line. To me, it seems like Vegas isn't giving any love to either New York team. Maybe they get burned on that. But I think if you're the Jets and just looking forward for them, you face the Patriots at home. That you At this point in the season, you got to think of that as a must-win. You just have to. Because if you can get to 6-2 and two and then face the Bills, who will probably be 6-1 and one by that point, you can put yourself in a good good spot. Even if you, even if you get to, even if the Bills get to 7-1 and one and you're 6-3 and three after you play the Bills, you're in a good spot there. And I think you can very viably make the playoffs. Like, the Jets, I'll go, I'll go through the whole schedule right now. So Patriots, I think they win. That's going to be six and two. Bills, they lose six and three. At Patriots, I'll say they lose that six and four. 
hosting the Bears, seven and four at Vikings, seven and five at Bills, seven and six hosting the Lions, eight and six hosting the Jaguars, nine and six at the Seahawks. I'll even say nine and seven, and then away at the Dolphins on the last game of the year to possibly get them 10 wins. If you're in the last game, you're in the last two games, and you have nine wins, or you have eight wins in the last two games, the season's a success. Because realistically, the Bills are probably finished with 12, 13 wins, if not more. And uh, if you're the Jets and you can get 10 wins and somehow even maybe sneak into the playoffs, that is couldn't be more of a win. And to to kind of tie everything together, the the Jets are doing like are on the upside of things and the Giants are on the upside of things whereas the Yankees definitely looking more towards the downside of things and it's all going to hinge on one man and that's Aaron Judge and what he does. And in the coming weeks, months, uh even years, the next this offseason will loom large for all of these teams. Jets, Giants, Yankees. Uh, I think Yankees obviously more immediate given the circumstances that just happened. But the Jets are going to, if the Jets can have a successful season, if the Giants can have a successful season, we could be in for a lot of new toys in New York sports next year. So while I enter this podcast today with no hope, the Yankees are out, the season's done, no hope of a ring anytime soon. I find solace in the fact that the Jets are good, the Giants are good, the Knicks look good, and the jury's still out on the Nets, and I'll leave it at that. So, as always, thank you for listening. Look out for another podcast. We're probably going to get more and more into basketball and hockey as the seasons progress. I mean, look, there's no baseball really to talk about for at least, usually the Yankees do like a, you know, end-of-season press conference that they'll say like, oh, so-and-so needs to get this surgery, blah, 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 so... We'll go over a little bit of that uh, for the Yankees and the Mets. But really going forward, a lot of football because we got two teams that could be in the playoffs. Uh, basketball, definitely two very interesting teams. The Knicks uh, play tonight against the Magic. And I think the Nets are also playing tonight against the Grizzlies. So the Nets, 1-1 hosting or going to Memphis, play the 2-1 Grizzlies. It's a prove-it game right there. So we'll talk more about that in the next episode, though. Thank you for listening. As always, reach out to all of us on our socials. Matt and I love to answer all your questions and love to see you guys interacting with our stuff. So please feel free to reach out to us at any point. And as always, thank you for listening.